welcome to Cybersecurity Unplugged, the cyber theory podcast where we explore issues that matter in the world of cybersecurity. Good day, everyone. I'm Steve King, the Director of Cybersecurity Advisory Services here at Cyber Theory. And today's episode will explore the current challenges in cybersecurity solutions amid an enormously crowded field that seems to be expanding weekly. And joining me today to discuss all this is David Bruce, the Global Security Lead for Product Marketing in the Mainframe Software Division for Broadcom. Dave's had years of experience in the security trenches at both IBM and Broadcom. Uh, He's one of the brightest and most insightful product marketing guys I've worked with. I don't say that about everybody. And having actually carried a bag and sold infrastructure technology early in his career, Dave has what can be described today, I'm pretty sure, as an unusual mix of both sales and marketing experience from which to draw. I wish more marketing folks have, in fact, had experience carrying a bag. So, Dave, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Steve. Absolutely delighted to be here. Terrific. You and I have been around these markets for years, and you know, as we've discussed several times, today's world is unprecedented in terms of noise levels and competition, but both of us know that many others are going about it the wrong way. Can you explain to our audience why you think that many of today's marketing approaches aren't quite cutting it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you hit it solidly with noise level. Noise level is certainly one of the challenges. I mean, it's uh, there's a an insane level of static out there on on everything, and and so many marketers, I think, have taken the old catalog model of just shotgunning everything out the door, regardless of the audience. That you know, you get so much stuff at home, you get so much stuff at your office that is irrelevant. It's irrelevant to your job, to your desires, to your interests. And in that kind of a model, you getting through that noise is is a big problem. So I think, you know, if if you're a marketer and someone is actively researching your product, you're already on their list, for example, your tactics can probably keep their attention, right? Because they're kind of looking for you. Otherwise, all that new shiny object stuff that's floating around is continually competing for attention. And unless you find a way to cut through the noise, getting attention is, is difficult. And I think you know, there's another reason that we have to we have to talk about is that a lot of folks tend to separate marketing and strategy. It, it's you know we do strategy and then we build some stuff and then and then we hand it off to marketing and marketing does some stuff. And you know, if you think about it, you build new capabilities for your products, whatever they are. You build new capabilities based on a strategy, and then to hand it off to marketing and and tell them, hey, figure out how to talk about it seems a little strange to me. You know, there's so many products that sound the same. What you really want to do, I think, is find a way to take what you learned in your strategy processes and your building processes, pick those differentiators out, pick out the reasons, the, the real strong reasons that you actually built the product and make that marketing work part of your strategy work. At, at Broadcom, we tend to unify those things. It's not that not that you do them all together all the time, but we have groups of folks that work together and we work with groups of customers 
that are involved all the way from concept to delivery. So that when you know that when it's built and then marketed and then sold and then delivered, that it's actually, you know, aligned with the problem that it was it was intended for. A long time ago, first half of my career when I was in sales and sales management, I had uh, I had the the uh, pleasure actually of having a lot of brand new sales reps, first job out of college in an inside sales organization. And I used to coach those reps about selling based on customer need versus internal things like product capabilities. And I'm kind of a hobbyist woodworker. And so I use drill bits as one of my favorite examples. I've, I've never known, for example, someone to wake up in the morning with a burning need for a three-eighths inch drill bit. Just doesn't happen. They need a three-eighths inch hole. That's what they're looking for. The drill bit is just the way that they get to what they need. What they need is the hole. So if we run out the door, you know, pounding our shoe on the table about drill bits when they really need holes, uh, we're missing the target. And I, I think it applies to our industry. I don't know anyone who just wakes up one morning and says, you know, I've got to have some zero trust in a box software. They don't do that. They have other things. They have identity management challenges. They have other use cases. Maybe they have phishing problems on their, on their machines. So when we talk to customers, it doesn't really help them understand if we just tell them what our product does. We really need to help with how it applies to solve their problems. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, it was Steve Jobs, I think, who famously said that we have very, very little time to, to make an impression upon our prospects and customers. So what we better do is make it clear what we want them to take away, what we want them to remember about us. And uh, we would, I think we've, <laughs> I think we've, uh, we frequently forget that message and that lesson. Uh, and, you know, these days, customers are really, in my mind, looking for solutions versus productized approaches that require more work on their part. You know, have you guys turned more toward developing customized solutions to problems versus the the selling of uh, three-eighth inch uh, drill bits? Yeah, we, we have. We have, absolutely have. We Obviously, we still support customers who show up and say, you know, I need a three-eighths inch drill bit, you know, show me the, show me your selection. But we really try to make it simple for folks. So, so if you don't have the skills on staff or, or you're looking for a, an answer to a problem versus a particular function, we've done a lot to bring our go-to-market and our product strategy together with a very fine-tuned focus on what customers tell us they're looking for. You know, we, we're in constant communication with our customers through user groups and councils and, and directly. And it's, it's important to hear what they're looking for and then find a way to, to give them that answer and, and not make them sort through all your data sheets trying to figure out which three of the 10 products you might have that, that solve that. We even go so far as to have planning workshops. Um, we'll invest three, four, five days of customers' time and our time with our experts to do planning, to look at your security needs across the entire enterprise, right? So if, if that's the right starting point, we do that. And if there's a, you know, a closer starting point, maybe you just need to look at where the gaps are on one piece of your infrastructure. We've enhanced our assessment tools to do that. 
And then we've started putting together how-to guides, how to do this, that, or the other thing, right? How to solve for a particular problem. So you're you're getting the you know the the product information, the data sheets. You're getting the the stigs. You're getting the support documentation. Maybe you're getting a couple of videos and demos showing you what it looks like. But the idea is to make it really very very simple for people to to uh, solve a problem and and get you know get some ROI on that solution versus spending all their time in analysis. And of course, we train our sales force to do the same thing. Don't walk in the door like you're sort of a hammer out looking for a nail. Walk in with, with the idea in mind that you really want to understand the priority problems and, and bring together the right size thing. You know, one, a one size fits all model doesn't even work good for socks, right? So it, there's no real good way that it's going to work for sophisticated IT technology. The important thing, I think, is to, to work with people that have a track record, who understand the difficulties and who will partner with you. As a customer, if I were out looking for answers, I want someone who will invest, someone who will get their success will happen when my success happens. So we're in it together. Yeah. What I notice in working with as many customers as we do is that there, there's a natural conflict here too, because the typically, uh, and you've done this, you've been in the SDR, BDR development business and trained these young college graduates and how to how to do sales development for the first time in, in their lives and so forth and given them enablement tools. And a lot of the enablement tools that we see that are being sort of spread among that outbound crew, if you will, for the first time today are, are all about product superiority, feature functions, fees and speeds. And Still not about a solution versus a, you know, a particular productized fit to a problem that we'd like to think you really have. So it seems to me, you know, as a CISO, I would, I would want to find folks that can assess what needs to be done in my current stack before I can even accommodate your new product in my mind. You know, Mindshare is very valuable these days. We have so much, so little of it. What do you do to help your customers assess what they currently have in their tech stack and how each tool applies to you know, solving today's threats before you try to sell them the next cool thing from your point of view? It's an interesting challenge. And I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, you know, being the product expert, I think it's important for salespeople to, to be that product expert. I've I've always measured myself and measured my reps on that kind of a kind of a thing, but I don't think that that's the style you use when working on a business problem with a customer. Right? That's what you use to make sure you're prepared to have the conversation. But the conversation needs to be about the solutions. And one of the key challenges today is the complexity of things. You know, we've digitized so much of our lives. Solutions are extremely complex. Making decisions about what to keep, what to replace, where to start, that's all very difficult. And, you know, I think there's a lot of folks who have that sort of solution, if you will, that is, again, the one size fits all. They want you to throw away everything you got, buy their thing, and then you'll have exactly what you need, right? It's, I I call it a zero trust magic pill, right? And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't exist. 
when you do that, you're putting a lot of trust into a single thing. And it, it tends to be a one size fits all model. And no businesses today are, are, you know, clones of one another. What we've done with our tools is to try to make our adoption simpler by number one, making sure that we have the right staffing and education programs in place, as well as tools that are aligned to customer use cases. So we spend a lot of time with customers making sure we're delivering the right level of of information, the right level of staffing, and so forth. But we've also tweaked some of our tools. I I mentioned uh, an assessment tool. We call it the MRI assessment tool earlier. And that tool was modified. What it does, it looks at what you have installed, and then it finds gaps. And it makes recommendations about how to fill those gaps as well as recommendations on how to improve your configuration to reduce risk even further, to tighten up gaps or to tighten up the the security capabilities that you've got. We have another tool we call Security Insights that interprets and assesses the security posture of your mainframe. When it finds something risky, it tells you about it and it gives you a set of remediation steps. And it'll do that ad hoc. It'll do that on a scheduled ongoing basis. And then, of course, I mentioned earlier the uh, what we call a cybersecurity thinking workshop, sort of a design thinking workshop model. And when it's necessary, when it's necessary to, to invest that level of energy to look at the problem, then that's what we do. It's all really designed with the idea that you want to modernize and upgrade by taking advantage of what you've already purchased. If the answer to every problem is to replace everything you have with something new, you're going to spend a a lot of time working on skills and getting familiar with things and not so much time doing all the other important things in your business. So we focus on how to do that as opposed to deploying whatever the next cool thing happens to be. Yeah, and I I just want to kind of, it occurs to me here as we're going through this that I want to make a, a side point here for folks that think that, you know, maybe this is an advertisement for, for Broadcom, and it is not. You know, what's interesting to me, you and I have worked together for over a year here and on some fantastic campaign uh, opportunities and with great results. And uh, the reason why I wanted to get you on the show was because you, you're in a unique situation in that you've two things. One is there's only two competitors in your space to speak of, right? So there's really three of you guys. So it's not like, um, you know, we're bringing in, you know, somebody that uh, Gartner thinks is the leading XDR provider, and there's like 28 XDR players, and we're revealing, you know, all of the tricks of the trade of this one XDR provider. That's not it at all. What is it is that I was very impressed over the last year with your your approach to helping customers solve the problems that customers need to solve versus a productized solution that you know solves a problem that you need to solve and so that's the reason why I wanted to you know I'm comfortable just letting you kind of reveal what it is that works for you guys so uh, I just wanted to make that clear that this isn't uh you know Steve King's award show for <laughs> for you, Broadcom's uh, fantastic ability to market their product. Having said that, the fundamental principles, and I'm, of course, you know, I'm a big Zero Trust fan, and 
and I try to push it as much as I can. The fundamental principles that are inherent in that zero trust design all lend themselves to foundational security assurances that result from defining business outcomes and and designing from the inside out and determining who needs access and inspection and logging and all of all log traffic and all that stuff. It seems like a no-brainer to me that businesses should embrace that model, yet we're finding the actual adoption curve has been slow. Well, what's your view of that whole world? I'm sure audience would like to like to get the benefit of, of your experience in that regard. We hear from a lot of our customers, they want help. That's a really big challenge. They're short on staff. The regulatory environment is going just nuts. And they're, they're having to invest a lot of time dealing with new regulations. The amount of you know, evildoer activity that's going on out there is crazy. So they're spending a lot of their time worried about that and, and making sure they've shored up their security. So you know, doing something new, even if it's a smart thing to do, is sometimes hard, right? When you don't have what you need. They also want to protect the investments they've already made. I mean, clearly there's there are times when you just want to, you know, throw it out and get a new one. That makes perfect sense in some circumstances. But most of the time, they, they really want to take advantage of investments because some of the investments they've made are, are substantial. And they want to modernize. They want to update without having to start over. And they want to plan. So, you know, when we sort of show up with a box of parts, that's not aligned with that at all. We want to think more about beginning with the end in mind and helping to eliminate, you know, a lot of the confusion. There's a lot of conversation about zero trust. And, and I think, you know, folks who have peace of a zero trust solution call it a zero trust solution. They don't call it a component of zero trust. So if you're not familiar with the idea and you don't have time to spend educating yourself on it, it's difficult to understand why you'd want to do it. I think, like you, that it is a very crucial step. And our approach to how we get folks to to try to understand what it does and why it's important and how we can help is to really put a lot of our experts um, in a direct engagement model with our customers. Not only our salespeople, but pre-sales and post-sales and consulting people and product people and designers and so forth. The, all those skills on complex solutions, all those skills are very important to making sure that you get the right solution defined. And the beauty of that is that if you don't have the exact right solution, you might identify a couple of things that you want to put in your, your enhancement backlog, right? So that you have it next week or next month or whenever you can have it in today's you know, CICD kind of pipeline models. I don't see a lot of companies that partner directly with their customers to solve challenges. As you mentioned, it, there's only a few of us in, in the marketplace that, that I play in, and it's maybe a little bit easier to do that. I don't know. But I think direct partnering with a customer helps you to see the challenges, and it helps you avoid giving them the generic answers. So you can talk about why zero trust is important. Right, all the good things that it'll do, how it'll take advantage of what limited budget you've got, what limited staff you've got, how it solves your priority problems first, how it's aligned with your business model. 
And I, I think if we talk to folks about those kind of things and focus on making the journey a one step at a time, right? The wise man once told me the very the longest journey always begins with a single step. So let's start at your biggest problem, your highest priority, and then let's solve your problems in priority order and let's adopt it at your own pace. Then I, I think it's easier for people to invest. And, and of course, you have to start up front with an explanation, uh, you know, of, of what it can do for, for people and why it's important. In fact, that's one of the reasons we we actually changed our solution licensing so that we separated the deployment process for a customer from the procurement process. If every time you want to add a new capability, you've discovered a, a gap in the, you know, in the, the ramparts, so to speak, you've got to go through a procurement process where you're not going to be very responsive. So we've actually built a model that allows people to get everything they could possibly need all in one shot and then deploy it when they need it. So you don't have to do that every time it, it'll, it, cause it, you know, it takes a long time to put together these comprehensive solutions. And, and so you kind of want to, you do it when you need to do it. Yeah. And, and that's a path away from the, the productized model and toward the, sort of consultative uh, solution model as well and it enables uh, enables efficiencies along along the way but one of the other things i feel like i should point out is that for those that think that the mainframe world is uh, is old and irrelevant uh, i would remind everyone that you know 98% of the world's financial transactions occur on mainframes and they probably will for many years to come. So if I were going to look to a marketing model that is successful in helping serious customers provide serious solutions for cybersecurity challenges, I think Dave and company here are, are a great place to start. And as you know, Dave, I know I, you know, we're big fans of the systems thinking and design thinking approaches to you know, reinventing the traditional product marketing approaches. And I think you guys have, I've noticed that you've mentioned systems thinking several times, and I think you guys have adopted uh, some of these techniques and approaches. And I'm curious as to what result you've seen so far and how you've been able to sort of simplify those concepts so that your customers can better grok the outcome-based scenarios that they provide. Yeah, I think we've I think we've done a really good job with systems thinking and design thinking. Uh, when you talk to when you talk to our development folks, when you talk to our product management teams, and talk you know at our customer councils, everybody is on the same page with respect to doing it this way. It really is just a beautiful reinvention of many of the old, more traditional methods that might have might have been used. And I think the results are extremely positive. We're seeing continual growth, you know, in, in our business, continual growth in the mainframe market. More and more applications are either moving to the mainframe or staying on the mainframe. The, the days of looking at it, as you mentioned, like it's this really old tired thing are, are gone. Some of the, the coolest most extreme technology like fully homomorphic encryption or 
or IBM's new Telem processor that lets you do AI in the middle of a transaction. I mean, mainframes are right at the forefront of, of innovation. And, and I think we've done that in our strategy and marketing and sales as well. We partner with our customers. That's a number one thing. When you talk to our general manager, that's one of his, that's one of his, his key tenants for, for what we're in business for. We're in business to help our customers solve their problems. It's a partnership approach. We work with them individually. We work with them in councils. Salespeople do it. Marketing people do it. Product people do it. Development people do it. And we use systems thinking and design thinking to orchestrate those activities. Our cybersecurity thinking workshops are amazing things. They, they take people from across the entire specter of infrastructure and bring them together. So, so that they learn from one another. And we talk about security problems. We don't talk about what platform it's on or what kind of network it's hooked up to. We've made all of our education for customers no cost. Uh, so there's never an opportunity to say, well, I couldn't afford to learn about that particular thing. And we've got a vitality program to make sure that we help solve the, the staffing problems. You know, we'll hire people for you. We'll train them for you on our nickel, and we'll put them in your business, working with you for no cost. At the end of their apprenticeship, if you want to keep them, you keep them. They become your employee. And if you don't, they come back to us because we'd love to have them as an employee because they're perfectly trained and experienced. We've taken all the little things that you can think about, like STIGs, for example. We integrated STIGs into our, into our tools. We recognize from feedback from customers that senior executives a lot of times outpace their knowledge of their infrastructure. They grow into a position without really understanding all the things that they have dominion over. So we built a senior business leaders education program to help them understand, okay, you're, you're the new chief privacy officer. Let us catch you up on all the things that you need to know in that, in that role from a technology standpoint. That Insights for Senior Leaders program continues to have strong demand. Um, we're continuing to tune it. It's in its second year now. Our customer education has seen a 300% uptick in consumption across 2020 and 2021. Uh, we're seeing more people enrolling in what we call the MTE, Mainframe Technical Exchange. And in one of our workshops, this was a nice win. There was a customer in one of the workshops that took a look at one of the STIGs, identified an area in their business that had authorization that was too broad. And by simply following one thing that they saw in the middle of a workshop, they reduced risk by 71% on one control point. So we, you know, we, we see this as a long journey, right? We're, we're in it and our customers are in it for the long haul. And the little, little wins like that, every step counts. Yeah, and it's it's uh, refreshing and 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 quite nice actually that your metrics are not related to how many deals I closed last week, last quarter, last month. And just to be as a reminder, a STIG in your jargon is a security technical implementation guide, right? Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to make that clear for our, for our audience, and uh, I'm looking at the clock on the wall, and I. I think uh, 
it's probably time to wrap up here today, Dave, though we could talk literally for hours. So if you were in the future predicting business, what what do the next five years hold for cybersecurity markets and the and the folks who must uh, navigate those shoals to get to their product to get their products and services into into customers' hands from your point of view? That's a fun question. Future predicting business. So, you know, the thing we all know is that the speed of technology and the rate of change today are overwhelming. It's just a constant, you know, I can't even keep up with the latest tools in my workshop, let alone what's happening in the, the rest of the world. And the thing that I, I've really reached a conclusion of over, over time, both in sales and in marketing, is that I think focusing on what's going to come down the pipeline from technology is actually less important than focusing on the humans, the the people that use the solution, the people that deploy it, the people that are protected by it. I mean, we know, I, I mentioned that IBM just had a recent announcement on the mainframe, right? The new, the new Z16. And it's an it's an awesome, awesome machine. You know, in transaction AI with a telem chip, quantum safe encryption, fully homomorphic encryption, and they already had very high entropy encryption, higher than anyone else in the marketplace. Mainframe is is amazing at all these new technologies that come along, but technology moves fast and humans don't evolve at that pace. Humans take hundreds and thousands of years to make small changes. We're very slow, much, much slower than technology. And you can imagine, right, we're not airproof either. So I like to focus on the humans and really stay focused on what problem are they trying to solve and how can I help them do that? All the technology that's coming on, it's going to come on, right? Because people are going to keep developing it because it's cool and it's fun and people love a challenge. And as, as marketers, I think we have to dedicate you know, a couple hours a day towards staying on top of all the new stuff. That's kind of our, our job, but, but it allows us then, once we understand whatever's coming, that we get to focus on how to make it serve a customer. That's the gratifying part. And you know, we're all inundated, right, with more risk in our lives than ever. Our lives are completely digitized, sold to the highest bidder. You know, I was reading an article about Pegasus, you know, the no-click spyware. And you think about it, they they can get every shred of your life digitized and package you up and sell you to the highest bidder. So to me, the, the future predicting is, my future is, I want to focus on eliminating that risk. I want to protect the privacy of the people that entrust us to do that. And I want, you know, I want to give people and the people who deploy things and who count on things and who are in business to use these things, some peace of mind. So that, that's my view of you know, how I deal with that sort of future predicting. I, I assume there will be overwhelming amounts of technology. And my job is to make the explanation of it simple. Yeah, and you're doing a great job, Dave. I applaud you and, and Broadcom for, for what you've done here. And, and you, you just in this half an hour, if folks want to give a re-listen to this podcast, I think there's a lot of words of wisdom and gems of advice here that every company in the cybersecurity market space can, can take advantage of. 
And certainly from our point of view, we're very much direct to human marketers here. So the human factor side of this is hugely important. It's been hugely ignored to the detriment of the industry uh, and our progress as individual you know, vendors and suppliers within this industry. So hopefully this 30 minutes or so will we'll provide some, uh, some insight that maybe some of us didn't have before. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Dave. I know you've got a crazy schedule to share your thoughts with us. And uh, I, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And you're, you're right. Schedules are always crazy, but this is the, this is the fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I love the opportunity. So I, I appreciate you reaching out and, and uh, setting up the time for us to talk and hopefully we'll, we'll uh, do it again soon. Well, there's plenty more for us to talk about and we will do it again soon. And so thank you once again, and thank you to our listeners for spending the time to uh, learn about what's going on at Broadcom, what's going on in Dave's mind, and and what we think is the proper approach to addressing some of the marketing challenges that all of us face on a day-to-day basis. So until next time, I'm your host, Steve King, signing off, and uh, we welcome you back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Unplugged. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Cyber Theory or send us an email at social at cybertheory.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybertheory.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, thanks again.